Welcome to Series 2 of Depollution from Salvage Wire. In this podcast, we interview interesting and inspiring leaders to discuss issues that are facing the vehicle salvage and the vehicle recycling industries, along with other leaders who can challenge and inspire the whole industry. In this episode, we welcome Eleanor Relton of ELV Environmental Services. ELVS is the compliance scheme for end-of-life vehicles in Ireland, set up to help vehicle manufacturers deliver on the obligations under the EU ELV regulations. Let's get into our conversation with Eleanor. Eleanor, welcome to the Depollution podcast. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. As a way of introduction, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your career, who you've worked for and your current role? Yep, sure, Andy. Um, so yeah, my name's Eleanor. I work for ELVES, which is the Compliance Scheme for End-of-Life Vehicles in Ireland. So ELVES stands for um, ELV Environmental Services. Um, and I've been in that role for about five or six years um, since I moved to Ireland in um, 2014, I think it was. Um, and so in terms of what I currently do, as I said, we're the Compliance Scheme for End-of-Life Vehicles in Ireland. Um, we're um, relatively new. In, in some ways, um, we received approval in 2017 to operate as the compliance scheme for the sector. Um, and so we're in, our, I suppose, our first term of approval um, doing that role. Um, in terms of, I suppose, my career, um, I moved to uh, Ireland from New Zealand. Um, and in New Zealand, my previous roles were um, mainly with the Ministry for Environment over there, so the Central Government Ministry environment um, kind of on the operational side so um, we were doing a bit of policy but it was more around operational waste policy um, so I was lucky enough there to be in a variety of roles um, so I worked on a, a program called TV Take Back which was around um, taking back televisions in time for the digital um, switchover to recycle them um, I also worked kind of across um, our operations department on sort of waste uh, coordination I suppose in the waste area so working on a variety of issues you know we did things like um, landfill levy we were looking at uh, producer responsibility around certain products um, and I also worked on funding as well for waste primarily waste projects um, so we had a waste a waste fund uh, where we funded uh, waste related products uh, projects sorry around the country so that was working on every, any, anything from um, sort of uh, construction and demolition waste. So I was involved in a large project that followed the, um, the Canterbury earthquakes around that. Um, we also did stuff around bio waste, um, all sorts of projects. So it's, it was quite a very open um, funding round, I suppose, in terms of waste projects, but also um, we had another fund, which was around sort of wider environmental uh, projects, which I worked on as well. Um, prior to that, I kind of came more from a um, international development background. So I worked for an organisation that did um, resources and information for the development sector. And that came about from having done um, both an undergraduate and postgraduate degree in international development. So that was kind of my starting point. I suppose I started off more the sort of the social side of things and then moved yeah. more towards the environmental. So uh, it's an amazing, amazing story. So elves. Um, is the compliance scheme for the, for the sector. What does ELVES do and what benefits do you bring to the uh, vehicle recycling industry? Um, so as I said, we started in 2017 um, and we're funded by uh, the vehicle manufacturers and the vehicle importers. 
um, which are our members. Um, and I suppose in terms of our key activities, um, as a starting point, uh, we have a network of authorised treatment facilities around Ireland. So um, we have um, over 60 ATFs in the network and we promote them. So um, we make sure um, that people know what to do when they go to scrap a car. Um, and I think that's an area where we've had a lot of success in terms of a, a promoting the network and getting it out there that you know there's this network they can easily find an authorised site near them when they need to scrap a car but also just getting the message around using an ATF and getting a COD out there to the general public and so one of the things we've been doing over the last couple of years was a project with the Department of Transport here to get that information out so we have a flyer that goes out in all the motor tax renewal reminders basically providing that basic information saying, you know, if you need, if, if you haven't renewed your motor tax because you're going to scrap your car, this is what you need to do with it. And this is the process you need to follow. Um, and that has been really successful. And I think one of the really great things about that is that you're getting into the hands of exactly who you need to be getting that message out to. Um, so that has been really good in terms of, I suppose, finding new ways to get the public education message out there. Um, in terms of the ATF network, uh, as well as obviously promoting the ATF network so the public know how to properly you know, recycle their car, um, we obviously work with the network to make sure they meet the recycling and reuse and recovery targets. So we work with the ATFs, we also work with the shredders as well. Um, so to make sure that um, what the ATFs are doing is properly being recorded in terms of getting that data through to us, for example, making sure things like reuse is being properly recognised in the um, reporting on the ELV targets um, and also at the shredder level making sure that you know the PST we're getting the PST we need to make sure that we meet the targets and we have you know since we started our network has met the targets and then for 2018 as well the country met the targets for the first time or the higher targets for the first time which was really great to see and I think you know like certainly like to say that that's you know we've been a key part in achieving that um, so that's kind of, I suppose, our core activities, um, you know, in terms of what we were set up um, originally to do. The other thing we've obviously been working on, and we've been working on with, with you as well, Andy, is um, our Electric Elves programme. So this is to support, I suppose it's, it's about the future for ATFs in terms of making sure um, they have the right supports in place for when they start receiving electric vehicles. Um, so it's kind of starting from a point of making sure that the uh, collection and recycling of the EV batteries is provided for um, and it is under the program so that's free for all ATFs in the country not just those in our network um, but it's also through things like training making sure that they do have the skills and the awareness actually you know to make sure they're taking these things back um, they do feel um, relatively confident um, in terms of actually dealing with them. Amazing amazing and has this had an impact in the number of illegal recyclers uh, and, and the activities of, of illegal recyclers in, in Ireland? Um, it's difficult to say, um, you know, because in certainly in terms of, you know, we look at the data from our network, for example, which is a big proportion of what goes mm. through the system. Um, but we don't see the full national picture in the same way because we don't have you know, national responsibility. Um, but I think I would, I would certainly like to think that our the public education side is having an impact in that people are now more aware of what they're supposed to do. So before we actually um, right at the very start, we did a, um, 
a public awareness survey to try and find out what people did know. And so most of them knew there was, you know, they kind of guessed that there probably was a process for this kind of thing, but nobody really knew what it was. It was kind of like, maybe I should get a receipt. I'm not really sure. Um, and at the end of the day, it's not something that people do regularly yeah. for car as a general, you know, general. So, um, you know, certainly I, I think the work that we've been doing in terms of public education, I would hope has really addressed that aspect of it. So the people that are outgoing, well, what is the right thing to do now have much better access to the information on what they should be doing and thereby bypassing the illegal sites. And is there one thing that the Irish government could do that would have the biggest benefit to the vehicle recycling industry? Um, and what would that be and why? Um, I think it's very difficult to identify one thing because you know it's a complex system. Um, so you know, identifying one silver bullet is near impossible, near impossible for most things. Um, but I think certainly in terms of talking to ATFs, the, the key issue that is normally raised with me is, um, I suppose, the competition from illegal sites um, is a big issue for ATFs. And, you know, I can understand why. Um, and I suppose in that area, I suppose enforcement against illegal sites um, would be a big benefit, would be a big benefit to authorised treatment facilities. And I know here, like last year, there was um, a lot of enforcement taken um, in Fingal, which is um, a county sort of just north of Dublin city centre. Um, and that was, you know, that seems to have been quite successful in terms of, or certainly there's been a lot of work done in terms of shutting down illegal sites and that they're kind of multi-agency operations, you know, with enforcement, you should never underestimate what it takes to do enforcement. Um, it's a complex, difficult task, but I think that was a really good example of what could be done. Um, and, you know, it's it, particularly in a context of COVID-19, you know, <laughs> uh, which adds obviously additional challenges to any enforcement actions. But um, certainly that is something that we'd like to see more of around the rest of the country. Yeah, amazing. Good. <clears throat> and you mentioned about the increased levels of technology in the vehicles. You mentioned electric elves and the technology that's coming into the vehicles and the complexity of vehicle design, uh, the construction and all the rest of it. Um, do you see a future where vehicle recycling technicians will need to be licensed by law? Um, I think it depends. I, I think there's two aspects to that. I think there's first the safety aspect which obviously with EVs is is a key key aspect, and I could I could see it coming in, something coming in around that. Um, so, you know, in 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 a similar way that you have health and safety regulation already, you know, we have things like you know safe pass for um, you know forklift truck truck drivers, you know yeah. that kind of thing, or you know being on certain sites. Um, so I could see aspects of I suppose licensing or something like that around the health and safety aspect. Um, in terms of the recycling aspects, it's difficult to know at the moment in terms of what the impact of that increased technology will be. I think there are certain drives to simplify. Well, not, not necessarily simplify, but standardize, I suppose, is probably more. So yes, higher technology, but there's certainly, like you can see from vehicle manufacturers using the same platform across a different number of different models, which should, in, you know, I think in theory, maybe make the recycling process easier because you're dealing with a more standardised product, potentially. 
Um, I think there's also drives, um, you know, talking from like, say, a circular economy perspective to look at design and design for recyclability, um, which you would also then hope would make the recycling process easier. Um, and, you know, even if it's just a in terms of how stuff's designed, but also in terms of access to information, which may mean a situation where you know, ideally you'd have a situation where the recycling process would become easier rather than more complicated. And moving on from that, you know, you, you also mentioned about reuse. Mm -hmm. And reclaimed parts is a, is a hot topic, um, again, certainly in the UK. Uh, and this time it looks like there's a true desire to make it work. And the Vehicle Recyclers Association in the UK have worked with eBay to introduce a parts certification programme. And I know that there is at least one um, site in, in Ireland that is registered on that program. Are elves supporting this certification program and, and, and you know, helping to provide parts to the collision repair industry? Um, yes, yeah, so the, um, that's the, the VRA certification mm -hmm. system, mm -hmm. which you know, I'm obviously very aware of. Um, I know there is a couple of us, uh, sites, ATFs, that are in our network that are now certified. I think they recently they let in Irish ATFs late last year. Um, I think in terms of where that's going in the future, I think with anything like that, our starting point would be to have discussions with a body like the IMVRA, which is the Irish Motor Vehicle Recyclers Association which would be the Irish equivalent to the VRA. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that would be our starting point in terms of seeing what interest there is here in terms of such activities. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and I don't know how good your crystal ball is, but what future opportunities do you see on the recycling industry? Um, you know, the vehicle recycling se sector globally or, or even just, just focus on Ireland and how elves can help and facilitate those opportunities. And, and what do you think the sector is going to look like in two, five, or even 10 years time? Um, yeah, I suppose the further out you get, the harder it is to predict. Um, I think certainly in, in sort of two to three years time, I think, you know, you've got the ELV directive obviously being reviewed um, and you'll see the impact, you'll start to see the impact or we'll start to know at least what's coming in terms of that certain. Um, we've got the, the draft batteries regulations that were released late last year and they're due for introduction I think starting from 2023. Um, so that will obviously start to have an impact, um, particularly you know, with the idea that there's obviously a lot more um, in those regulations around electric vehicle batteries and what's expected and what's required. Um, so I suppose in sort of the two to three year time frame, <clears throat> certainly that's what we would be looking at is in terms of the ELV directive and the batteries regulations and making sure that what we're, whatever we're doing is achieving or you know, is meeting those requirements, but also is obviously supporting our network, the ATF network in terms of meeting those requirements. Um, in terms of, I suppose, the longer sort of the five to 10 years, I think we're at sort of an interesting point really with vehicles or the vehicle park. Um, you've obviously got electrification, which is gonna, you know, you give it five years, you're going to start to see many more electric vehicles turn up at ATS when they're actually reaching true end of life, um, which you know we're obviously very aware of with our Electric Elves program in terms of what that needs to be in the future um, to make sure it can meet to that kind of demand. Um, and I think 
there's also there's other influences that will change the vehicle park that will filter through and it may not be in five to ten years time it might more, more be the sort of the, the 10 to 20 years time but in terms of you know you look at how car use and how people are using cars and how people are buying cars and you've got things like you know even with the COVID-19 crisis you've got remote working will that stay and what does that mean for people having cars and buying cars Will that um, impact business travel, for example, in the longer term future? Will we just revert to how we were or will we dramatically change? You know, on the one hand, it may reduce vehicle usage. On the other hand, if people say, well, I don't need to live in a city anymore to be close to a job, then it may mean that people need more cars because they're living out in the country. It's, it's uh, you know, swings around about one. Um, I think there's other pressures. There's obviously environmental pressures in terms of, for example, cities and restrictions on certain vehicles in, in cities. Um, so you might see, for example, more use of light mobility rather than registered vehicles. Um, you've also got things, you know, whether you know, increased taxation, or, you know, all that kind of stuff that may impact car use or, you know, push more towards electrification. I think the other thing, possibly in a bit more sort of longer term because of the way you know the shifts that's required is around the business models in terms of how cars are sold so there's obviously a lot of talk about things like product as a service um so and you know vehicles are one of the things where you're already seeing a little bit with certain car schemes where you can buy to you you know pay to use the car as opposed to own it and i think you might see more of that where cars are owned as fleets as opposed to individually owned whether that's through leasing or whether that's through car you know more that sort of per hour higher side of things. So you could end up in a situation um, where you've got potentially a more standardized fleet with one owner, potentially going all the way through to end of life. You know, at the moment you tend to get them more newer and then they're sold on. But um, longer term, you could see them with one owner to end of life, which, you know, what does that mean for the vehicle recycling industry? Does that mean, you know, there's opportunities there in some ways because you could have a more standardized stock coming through you know, there could be more opportunity for reuse of parts, for example, within a fleet. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of factors. We're at a point, I think, where we're going to be seeing a lot of change over the next 10 to 15 years um, and a lot of different influences that could push it either way. Yeah. We'll come back to our conversation with Eleanor in a moment. Salvage Wire have been supporting the vehicle recycling and dismantling industry for years with their specially designed accredited training courses on the safe handling of electric and hybrid vehicles. These courses are now even more relevant to the industry as the volumes of these vehicles increase. So learn how to keep your team and your business safe by regist registering for one of our courses, many of which are now available online so you do not have to leave your office, your study or your workshop to complete the training. Contact SalvageWire through our website www.salvagewire.com Back to our conversation with Eleanor. Now, you've obviously not held back in your working life. You've, you've, you know, from what you said earlier about you know, work, uh, international development and environment in in Ireland, in, in New Zealand, and now and now what you're doing in Ireland. So, what have been your your influences in your working life? Um, you know, is there any particular people or any particular uh, thing that you've that you've that you've done that's been really influenced what you want to do in your working life? Um, I would say I'm, I suppose I'm driven by interest. Um, I kind of uh, 
I suppose it's a desire not to get bored and to keep variety in your life. Um, so that kind of, you know, I'm not one to plan 10 years in advance. I kind of look at what's next in terms of what interests me um, and making sure that I'm, you know, engaged and interested, basically. Um, I suppose in terms of influences, uh, I wouldn't say um, particular people, you know, I would say you kind of, you go through your career and you identify traits in people that you admire, I would say in terms of skills and I suppose competencies, that's kind of the approach I would take is that, you know, you kind of, you look at say people that in, particularly in maybe leadership positions where you go, well, that is the kind of traits that I would like to have if I'm in the same position. So I suppose less individuals being influenced, but more, you, you take the best aspects of different people that you come across, yeah. I think. So on that basis, is there any advice that you could give to young and aspiring leaders who want to grow and develop their leadership skills in the vehicle recycling industry? Or in other words, what advice would the current Eleanor give to the 22-year-old Eleanor? Ooh. <laughs> um, I think take opportunities that come up. Um, I think one of the things, I suppose, you know, thinking about influences is that I've been quite lucky, you know, like in my in my current role, I get a lot of opportunities to do lots of different things. You know, it's got a good level of variety and, and those opportunities are offered to me. And I've had previous roles which have been similar. Mm. Um, and in term, and I suppose in terms of direction, that has an influence in terms of the people around you identifying or, you know, just even just sort of saying, if you thought about doing this, it does have a big influence because it, it kind of, it opens your eyes to opportunities that you wouldn't necessarily spot yourself. Um, and I think going with that, you've got the, the influence of other people helping you do that. So supportive managers, that kind of thing. Um, but in the, I suppose, from a personal level, in terms of, I suppose, your own attitude to that, it's, it's being willing to try new things, um, you know, showing that you are keen keen for new opportunities as they arise because then people are aware of that and then they're more likely to alert you to new opportunities at the same time amazing 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 thank you and final question we ask this of every every guest on on the podcast um what was your first car and do you have any special memories of that car <laughs> my first car <laughs> was a brown ford cortina 1978 um it was, uh, yeah, it wasn't the greatest of cars. Uh, it was very old when I got it. It was 20 years old when I got it. And it was sourced by a friend of my dad's for us. It was um, when I first went to New Zealand um, as a backpacker and me and my friend bought it between the two of us. Um, it, it could go without the key and the ignition. Um, it also had, uh, it had a collapsed back seat. So if you sat in the back, you could barely see above the, the window. Um, but it was, it, it did us a turn and uh, it was good where we were living at the time. Um, you could, you know, a lot of vineyards, that kind of thing. And we used to turn up to those vineyards in this 1978 Ford Cortina with obviously one of us being designated the sober driver. Um, but I kind of feel sorry now for the, the staff at these places, at the, like the cellar doors, because, you know, us rolling up in that, they were probably a bit like, they're not going to be buying anything, are they? <laughs> They've just come for the free tastings, uh, which was true. But uh, yeah, it was a good little car in its own way. But it was, uh, yeah. 
amazing absolutely amazing it's past its prime <laughs> <laughs> no we've had some lovely stories on 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 the various cars and uh, yeah that's the first <clears throat> that's the first ford cortina we've had yeah <laughs> brilliant eleanor thank you so much for taking the time thank you so much for talking to us it's been a real pleasure uh, talking to you on this podcast no problem thank you A big thank you to Eleanor for her time and her knowledge. You will find details about Elves in the notes for this podcast. Please subscribe and take the time to like and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. And please give us a rating. Thank you and we'll see you on the next podcast. Mm-hmm.